Welcome to Crossbound Ministries, where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word? You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the cross requires. Cling to the one who's Open your Bible with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 will start in, in verse number 11. Verse number 11. The Bible says, For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass. And the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perish. So also shall the riches, the rich man fade away in his ways. And it's comparing here the, the riches of what an, a man has to fading away, like when the sun comes up and it burns and it scorches the grass and the flowers. And it just fades away. You just can't stand up to it. It fades away. And you see, men can achieve a lot here on this planet. I mean, by earthly standards, by man's standards, we can achieve a lot and have a lot of power. You think of some of the rich families here in this, on this planet or in this country, the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers, some of the most powerful people in the United States. Uh, J.P. Morgan, they dominated the bacon industry. The Walton family, have you ever heard of them? They own the, all the, they own the Walmart in the United States. They are a super power. They have accomplished mighty things. How about the pharaohs in Egypt that built the pyramids? The pyramids are still around for Lord only knows how long. But yet, each and every one of them will die or have died in all the riches that they had, all the power that they had means nothing. They didn't take one of those things with them. But the spiritual riches that you build up working for the Lord, you will have with you forever and throughout all eternity. Earthly riches are earthly riches are destined, they're going to pass away like the flower of the field. If a man has nothing but material wealth or material power, then all that person's plans will end at the grave. They won't take one thing with them, not one cent with them. Now, let me stop right there and say that I know that many powerful men and many people will work so that their name will be remembered, so that their name will be engraved on buildings, on monuments, or their name will hold this prestigious position within society. But let me just tell you, 
that name too will also pass away and fade away as a flower in the sun. It will just wither away to nothing. That name will not go with that person into heaven. No, sir, no, ma'am. So it's speaking of that also. And so the point here is, is of course, that neither sun nor scorching wind can affect spiritual values. See, God puts his value on spiritual things, not on material things. So where should you put your value? Where should be the things that you care about? It should be the spiritual things because those are the things that will last throughout all eternity. And listen to me, any trial that comes to you and it, oh, it may seem trying and hurtful at that time. You may lose a lot of your wealth, a lot of your position, a lot of your power, a lot of your prestige. But listen, any trial that draws you closer to God is a good thing. And God can use it as a good thing in your life. And so that trial should actually be seen as a blessing because it has brought you closer to your Savior. You say, but I lost my job, or I lost my house, or I lost this, or this hurt. But yes, listen to me, that trial should be looked at as a blessing because it brought you closer to your Lord and Savior. It brought you closer to God. And if you've went through that trial right in a way that is pleasing to God, you have built up riches in heaven, riches in glory that can never be lost and never be taken away. Amen. Don't put all the value that you have on these temporal things that you can't take with you. No, sir, no, ma'am. Put your heart and your desire on the things that God sees as important. And those are the spiritual things. Look what we now in verse number 12, James chapter 1, verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which is the Lord hath promised to them that love him. James pronounces a blessing on the person who stands up under affliction. When such a person, such as you, has stood the test and you've been approved by God, you will receive the crown of life. The crown of life. Amen? Now, what is the crown of life is the question. Well, what is that? Well, we, we do know that we'll cast crowns at Jesus' feet because we're not worthy. Only he's worthy. But the crown of life is a reward that God will give to those people that have endured temptations. And I kind of look at it this way. We're all, if we go to heaven, if you're saved, we're all going to heaven and everybody's cup will be full in heaven, but not everybody's cup will be the same size. In other words, some people will have more enjoyment in heaven than others. I do believe that. Well, explain that, preacher. Okay, here we go. Listen. It's like, the you ever heard that saying, the more that you put into it, the more that you're going to get out of it? If a person builds a house and he sweats and he toils and he works 
day and night, and he puts his sweat, blood, and tears into building that house. When he sits in that house, he's going to enjoy that house like nobody's business because he put a lot of work and investment and time and effort into it. Now, if somebody just came in and flopped down in the house and said, boy, this house is nice, I like it here, well, they're going to enjoy the house too. But they have not put any sweat, blood, and tears into that house. They cannot enjoy it like the man that actually worked to build that house. He put a lot of effort into that house. And that's what I mean. Those people, the Christians that truly work for God's glory here on earth, I do believe will enjoy heaven much more than a person that is just saved that it's on their way to heaven. Amen? Why? They put all kinds of work, sweat, blood, and tears in serving God. Amen? So do I believe that? Absolutely. I do. And, you know, this, this expression, compliant life, it refers to a fuller enjoyment to the glories of heaven. Oh, everybody's going to enjoy heaven. Don't get me wrong. But, man, if you have worked and labored and strived and, and put down your own desires and picked up God's desires and worked for God's glory here on earth, man, I do believe you're going to enjoy heaven that much more. Amen? So let's make this section on holy trials practical in our own lives now. Let me ask you a question. How do you react when various forms of testing come into your life? Do you complain? Do you complain bitterly against those misfortunes, against those bad things that happen in your life? Or do we rejoice and thank God for them that God is using this? He may not, he may not have caused it, but me, he may have allowed it. Why? To draw you closer to Him. To make you more like Christ. Amen? Or do you advertise your trial and tell everybody about it? Or do you bear them quietly? Do you live in the future just waiting on your circumstances to improve? I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait to get past this. I can't wait to... Now listen, all of us can understand when you've been in the fire, when you've been in a fiery trial, man, you can't wait to get out of it. And I understand that. I believe every Christian has felt that way. But if that's all you can think of is, I got to get out of this, I got to get it out of this, I got to get out of this, that may mean God may keep you in it just that much longer, just to get that out of you. Or do you live in the presence, seeking to see the hand of God in all that comes? God, I'm living in this present. I want to see what you're going to do. God, help me to respond rightly. God, help me to have the right attitude. God, help me to walk through this in faith, knowing that you're going to use this for my good and for your glory. Amen. To draw me closer to you, to make me more like Christ, so that others may see, others may be also encouraged, but also, but also convicted about their own life to live a more godlier life. And that's something that all of us have to work at. I don't care what level of Christianity you're at. If you just got saved or if you've been a pastor for 35 years, that's something that we all have to continually work for, to see those trials as coming from God or God allows them and how that we react in the midst of those trials. Amen? 
Do you indulge in self-pity and seek sympathy? Or do we submerge ourselves in a life of service for others? Even though I got it bad, this bad thing has happened, I'm still going to do all I can to serve God and serve others. Let me just tell you, if you have that heart, God is pleased with you. And you, you are going to receive a crown of life when you get to heaven. Amen. That's exactly what those verses are saying. And let me just tell you this. You must be proactive in having the right attitude and serving God in the midst of trials in your life. Let me explain that. If you don't know, if the decision's not already made, that I'm going to have a good attitude, I'm going to do all I can to help others, I'm going to do everything I can to be right with God, to have the right attitude, to take this right, to go about it right, you will naturally, you will naturally lean the other way to where you get mad, angry, upset, bitter, sad, mad at everybody, mad at God, blaming God, that'll come natural. The hard part will be doing what God told you to do and handling that trial right and looking at yourself and shaving off those bad things in your life, conforming to the image of Christ, that you may please God that how that you react in the midst of that trial. Because going the, the wrong way will come naturally. That's your flesh. Your flesh will draw you that way. Your flesh will draw you to complaining and whining and being mad and being bitter and being sour. No, you've got to get in the spirit and allow God to draw you the right way to have the right attitude to take the right steps in life that's what i mean by being proactive and having the right attitude if you are not proactive and having that kind of attitude in other words asking god to help me i want that kind of attitude god i want to be like that please help me walk with me as i toil through this trial. Ask God for that help. That's what I mean in being proactive. Because if you do absolutely nothing, I promise you're going to go the other way. You're going to be mad, sour, bitter, angry, upset, mad at God, mad at other people. That'll come naturally. Be proactive and asking God to help you walk the right way in the midst of these trials. Amen. Look with me now in the next verse, James chapter 1, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Holy trials are designed to bring out the best in us, the best in you. Unholy temptations are designed to bring out the worst in us. In other words, a holy trial will come from God. It will come from God. And it is designed to draw you closer to God. An unholy temptation comes from the devil himself. And it's designed to bring out the worst in you. It's designed to draw you away from God. So a holy trial is meant to draw you to God. An unholy temptation is meant to draw you away from God. Amen? So when we are tempted to sin, the temptation does not come from God. No, sir. 
That comes from the devil. Or it may come from your own sin nature. Because remember, we're saved, we're born again, but we still live in the flesh and we still struggle with sin. That's why Paul said, I die daily. It never it never goes away. As long as you're alive, you're going to have a battle with this flesh and with this sin nature. And that's why Paul said that, I die daily. It is a daily struggle. That's why you have to make a daily decision decision to put down yourself and pick up what God wants, to live for God's glory and not your own. God does not test or try men as far as their faith is concerned, and but he never tempts a man to commit any form of evil. He most certainly does not. God does not tempt a man to do evil. God has no dealings with evil, and he does not entice you to sin. The devil does, the demons do, your own flesh nature does, but God does not. God may allow a trial in your life to draw you closer to him, to make you a stronger Christian, to make you more like Christ. Now, the devil will come along and and throw in an evil temptation. He'll throw some lust in there, some anger, whatever it is, and that's to draw you away from God. That's to hurt you and your testimony and your walk with Christ. That didn't come from God. No, sir, no, ma'am. The strength to withstand that will come from God, though. The strength not to sin will come from God, though. And that will be when you ask him for it. Because you and yourself, your flesh is weak. I can guarantee you that. That's each and every person. Your flesh is weak. But the stronger that you make the spirit inside you, the more that you're right with God, the more that you allow the spirit of God to take control of your life, the more that you allow the spirit of God to take control of you and your thoughts, the less sin you are going to allow in your life because the spirit has control. Look with me now in verse number 14. James chapter 1, verse number 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. What does it say? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Of his own. There's so much within us. We, we, we're so quick, quick to blame something else, aren't we? We're overweight. It's because of the fast food place down there. It's all them. I said, well, they make the food nowadays. It's tater chips or it's this or that. Instead of looking at ourselves and going, well, wait a minute. I'm the one that puts the food in my mouth. Who else can I really blame? Nobody else is putting food in my mouth. Only I'm doing it. But we're quick to put the blame on somebody else. And listen to me. We're quick to do that in every facet of our life. We're quick to put the blame on somewhere else and instead of taking responsibility for our own actions and the things that we have done or the things that we have thought so we're and we're quick quick to blame other people for our own sin we're we're, they they did this and it caused me to act like that they they said that and you know i can't stand it and so i had to say something and do something see we're we're quick to blame other things and other people but the truth is it's all our fault. We're responsible for our own actions. We're responsible for what we put in our mouth. We're re- responsible for the way that we respond to God's word. So we have to realize that it is on us that we 
are responsible for what goes on in our life. We and you are responsible for your Christian walk with the Lord. Nobody else is, but you are. Sin comes from from within us, from our old, evil, fallen, unregenerate nature. Listen to what Jesus said. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Murderers, adulterers, fornicators, thefts, false witness. That's in Matthew 15, 19. Out of your own heart, these things come. They are within you. Nobody put them on you. No, they are you. Are we helpless victim then when we are drawn away by our own desires, by our own lust, when we're enticed, when we allow things in our life, when we look with lust? Amen. No, we're responsible for that. Look with me now in verse 15. James chapter 1, verse number 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. If you think about a forbidden act too long, you will eventually do it. If you think about some lustful act too much, you're eventually going to do it. You know, there's a great story about that in the Bible. David and Bathsheba. David was looking down and he saw a woman bathing. And he knew as soon as he saw her and she was not dressed, he should have turned his head and walked away. But he didn't. He looked and he sought with lust. And he brought that woman into his house, into his bed. And her, her husband was a warrior for David, all fighting in battle. David committed adultery with her. They had a child. David kept looking at her. And eventually David committed murder and had her husband killed. All because of what he saw with his eyes, all because of what he allowed in his heart. You see, he looked with lust. Let's read that verse again. Listen to it. Then with lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. David looked with his eyes. He looked with lust. He looked enough and he thought about it enough that he committed the act of sin. He kept looking at her, and next thing you know, he committed the act of murder. But first, it started with his eyes and and his thoughts, and he lusted after her, and he eventually did that act. You listen to me. You will do the same thing. If you continue to look with lust, and if you continue to have those sinful thoughts, you will eventually do it. That's what the Bible says. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Be careful what you look at. Be careful what you think about. A good example of that is Adam. Adam, when it says he he looked at the apple, he looked at what his wife had, he looked with lust, he took a bite of it, and he brought sin into this world. And it brought death. It brought spiritual death. Genesis 2, 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thou shalt surely die. 
See, Adam was never going to die. He was going to live in his physical body on this earth forever. But because he looked with lust and he disobeyed God, he brought forth death into this world and his body eventually died. But it all started with what was in his heart and what we looked at with his eyes. And he bring forth death. Amen. You be careful what you look at. You be careful what you think about, Christian. Think on God's holy word. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.